Our series that we'll be going into is 1 Timothy, but this Sunday and next Sunday we're, we're uh, doing a few different sermons first. This one is in light of our kind of affirming the membership covenant today, the start of our ministry year. Um, we're going to be digging into Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. So I'd invite you to take your Bibles and open to Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. If you didn't bring a Bible, we have Bibles that have been um, disinfected. So uh, you can just indicate to an usher that you need one and they'll make sure and get one to you. If you don't have a Bible, you can keep that. If you do have a Bible, when you leave, you can just leave it in the pew and we'll, uh, we'll have a cleaning crew that picks that up and disinfects that for you. But we are in Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. And I invite you to stand for the reading of God's word. And Jesus gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it's equipped, when each part's working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You can be seated as we pray. Father, it is our heart to have your spirit come and, and, and speak we want to hear from you. So may what we do this morning around your word be something your spirit is doing. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I want, I want to start with kind of a thought experiment. Imagine I gave you a piece of paper. Kids, I'm giving it to you as well. And I want you to think, if you could write, what would be your vision for our church? What, what's your dream? Like, if our church could be this, that's what I'd want it to be. What would you write on that piece of paper? Take a minute and think about that. What would you write on the piece of paper, what you want for our church? All right. Now... What I want you to do is to take that, that uh, imaginary piece of paper I gave you and crumple it up and throw it away. That's because it really doesn't matter what your vision or what my vision is for the church. All that matters is Christ's vision. Because... You, you wouldn't be ex excitedly go get a, a Costco membership and then start telling Costco how it needs to be like food basics and what it does. There's a reason you, you went there. It's because you're excited about that. That's what you want. And that's what's happened to us when we embrace Christ. It's because 
I've seen how lame my self-rule is when I try and be in charge. It makes a mess of things. I need Jesus to be the king. And so we turn from self-rule, embrace Jesus and all that he offers and his kingship. And so when it comes to a vision for this church, all that matters is what Christ wants for us. We don't need to take any polls. We don't need to survey the felt needs. We don't need to look at to church growth gurus to find a vision for the church. We allow Christ to rule this church. He gets to decide our vision. But it's not like, okay, I don't get to have my vision. Jesus gets to set the vision. That's not how it's worked. It's like uh, if you were gifted a Lamborghini and all you knew is kind of how to tinker with a go-kart, you wouldn't be like, man, I wish I could be the one building this engine. No, you're glad that the one who knows how to design a Lamborghini is the one who's giving you the car. Jesus knows far better than we do. And so it's good news that he's the one saying, this is how I've designed the church. And so what we want to do, for, for the bulk of our sermon today, what we want to do is just look to how Jesus has designed the church. What has he designed us to be? And in order to do that, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to um, give you the first of three images that I'll give throughout the sermon. And the first image is of a chain. A chain? What's he doing with a chain? Well, I want to give you a chain because I, I want us to understand the basic logic of what, what Jesus is doing in building his church. And I think it's helpful to do that in terms of thinking of links of a chain, how, how, how each link is connected to the, the other. And the first link of this chain that we need to see is what has God called us each individually to be as believers? So when we look at Ephesians 4, 11 to 16, what is it that God wants for us? You see it there in 13, verse 13. He wants us to have a unity of the faith and a knowledge of the Son of God in order that we would have mature manhood. And then to be really specific, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So we're growing in a certain way in our unity and our knowledge of the Son of God because it allows us to be people who become more mature. Mature in what way? In that we are more and more like Jesus. God's goal for you and me is that we'd be more like our Savior Jesus. And if that wasn't clear enough, it kind of recurs there in verse 15. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way. Where does he want us moving? What direction does he want us going? Into him who is the head, into Christ. So the first link in the chain is what God wants for us. He wants us to be people who so know Jesus that, that there's a unity that comes from that. That's reflects him so that the world can see what Jesus is like through us. That's what God's created us for. Now, if that's what God's created us for, there's a problem because we are all born naturally, as Ephesians 2 explains, dead in our trespasses and sins. We do things against God's law. We are natural born 
rebels against God, and so it doesn't really work for us to be image bearers of Jesus when we're natural born rebels. And even when we embrace Christ and he changes us, there is still this flesh that, that wars within us, and it's, it's a hard battle to, to grow more and more like Jesus. These are hard things to do. It is a spiritual war that rages, and it is spiritual work. So, if we're if we're going to be transformed spiritually in our soul, if, if dead souls are going to be made alive, and then those souls that have been made alive are going to grow, it is work that God alone can do. Neither you nor I can make someone else come alive spiritually and neither you nor I can cause someone to grow spiritually. Throughout the scriptures, we see that that is the work of his spirit. That is spiritual work that God alone can do. So link number one, we want to be more like Jesus. We want to reflect him. But there's another link then. If that's going to be the case, it's work that only God can do. It's important to understand. It might be not, uh, not explicit in Ephesians 4, 11, 16, but through the rest of Ephesians and the rest of Scripture, you see that. So what do we do? Kind of throw up our hands? All right, just sit around and wait for God to make me spiritually alive. Sit around for God to make me grow. It doesn't really add up with what we read in the scriptures. It doesn't even add up with what we read in this passage right here. We're called to do things. Because God has actually appointed means, tools, that his Holy Spirit uses to bring about growth and transformation. To, to use a, a really rough metaphor, if God alone is the one who can cause the fish to bite... He appoints the means of bait and a hook in order to catch the fish. Now, it doesn't mean, therefore, I can put bait, in a hook, bait on a hook, put it in the water, and I'll catch a fish anytime I want. It's going to happen. No, we're still saying God's completely sovereign over that. He's the one who does that work. But there is a means, a tool that he has appointed for that to happen. And what is the tool in our passage that he has given us? for this kind of spiritual growth that only his spirit can bring to come about. Well, we start in verse 11. There's the, the apostles and prophets who kind of given us the scriptures. Then there are evangelists and the pastors and teachers. These are proclaimers of the truth of God. Those who proclaim the gospel and then help us grow in that. And they're given to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. So you have these word people where they're equipping the saints to do the work of ministry. So, so we're doing the work of ministry, all God's people doing the work of ministry. But what, what exactly is that? Well, again, if you look down in verse 15, it's kind of reiteration of it. We need to be growing. We're growing up into him as the head. Now we get real specific as to what that looks like. Rather speaking the truth in love. That's 
That's one of the tools God's given us. The truth of God's word. When it says speaking the truth in love, it's, it's not just talking about like saying the hard things that need to be said. You know, hey, uh, you're a really bad driver. You need to be more respectful on the road. No, it's actually talking about the truth of God's word, gospel truth, the truth of the scriptures. Later on in Ephesians, in chapter 6, it talks about the armor of God. Did any of you, did any of you kids ever um, like do a coloring sheet or read a book as the armor of God? It's got like some knight with all the stuff on. Do you guys know what the sword is? The sword? I think I heard someone say it. The sword of the spirit. It's actually mentioned in chapter 6, verse 17. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword. The only offensive weapon in the whole armor of the spirit and it says, which is, what is it? The word of God. That is the tool the Spirit has. That is the one tool we're told about in the scriptures that the Spirit has to bring about his work. So if we want people to be growing, that is what we need to be giving ourselves to, to speaking about the glorious truths of God's word, of his gospel, of who Jesus is. That's what we're to give ourselves to. Of course, the, the, the armor of God doesn't stop there. Right after talking about the, the sword of the Spirit, it immediately goes and says, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Because if it's God who's going to do the work, we need to be asking him to do it. So those are, those are really the, the two tools I want us to be thinking about. Speaking the truth to one another. Praying. Pleading with God to bring about change and transformation. It's not just here in Ephesians. In Acts 2, when the, when the new church starts growing immensely, we're told they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, breaking the bread, and to prayer. In Colossians 3, 16, when it describes what should be happening when we gather together, even when we sing, it should be so that the, it says so that the word of Christ would dwell richly amongst you. In Hebrews 10, it says, don't neglect meeting together as is the habit of some. And then it causes to, calls us to spur one another on to love, to good deeds, all the more as the day of the Lord approaches. You see, the Bible's really clear at how spiritual growth happens. It happens as we proclaim and speak truth to one another as we cry out to God in prayer. So if you're looking at the link so far, you got the goal, which is all of us to grow more and more like Christ. Then we realize, but that is only something God can do. We can't manufacture that. And if that's true, we need to know what means that God has appointed. And, and central to that is the word of God and prayer. And there's one other link I want to put in this chain that I think is important because it doesn't in our passage just say speaking the truth, does it? It says speaking the truth in love. You see, God has created this to happen in an environment where we're loving one another, caring for one another. If you, read, if, if you heard me reading Ephesians 4, 11, and 16, it goes on to talk about how we are a body. Each part is necessary, doing its part in love so that we can grow. 
God has organized his scattered Christians around the globe into local communities, local churches where they are actually connected to one another. The Bible used familial language or, or building language like all the bricks of a building interconnected. We are one body and we need one another. So the, the context that this speaking the truth and praying happens is the context of loving relationships. That's, that's how we grow. That's why we, we need to be coming back to church. Because the Bible, the Bible isn't saying that the way we grow is just to, to hear some theological truths on some screen somewhere. We actually need to be loving one another and talking about this together. Now, there are ways to get around that during pandemics where we can do that via phone or text or email or porch visits, and we try to do some of that. But, but the point is, I, I actually think it's been spiritually dangerous for us over the last year and a half. Because God's design for how his spirit works to grow us is us together in love, prayerfully speaking the truth to one another. So this is God's design. Now a couple of years ago, we were actually in the same passage and we, we kind of a picture that we put together that describes kind of how we see this being fleshed out within our church. So again, that little piece of paper that I had you crumple up, this is our best, our best attempt to capture all of, not just Ephesians 4, 11 to 16, but what the scriptures say about how we're called to be. So I, I think we got this here. This might look a little complicated at, at the outset, but just right in the middle, word and prayer, right? That's that third link in the chain. That's how God is the one who brings the growth. Word and prayer is at the center. But all of that is in the context of loving relationships. So you kind of see that blue circle around it all, and it says loving relationships. This word in prayer is not in isolation. It's in the context of loving relationships. And what that does when we're doing that is the Spirit brings growth. And it brings growth in primarily four different directions. So upward, it was where, where we reflect Christ to the world. We're looking more and more like Jesus in our tenderness and our kindness and our forgiveness, our meekness. Then if you look over, as you look to the left, help people who are hurting. There's something particular, as we've seen in the gospel series, um, the smoldering wick he does not quench, the bruised reed he doesn't crush, right? There's something about the, those who are in a particularly hard situation that God's heart goes out to. So as we grow more Christ-like, that's something specific with showing mercy to our neighbor. And out to the right there, we want other people to know the goodness of what Jesus has done. My sins that separated me from my God have been dealt with by Jesus on the cross. And when I turn to him, I'm restored to my relationship with my heavenly father because of what Christ did for me. All of that is news we want others to know. And so we're making that known. And we also want to see other similar churches established both locally and globally. So those, those top three arrows are things that we each individually do in coordination with one another and that last one is something that the bible says you know this is something churches actually cooperate to do so that's where it's a little bit different each 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 versus together that little uh, thing in the bottom right corner is really that second link this is all spiritual work it's not something we can just well here's the method we're going to follow a b and c and immediately you're going to catch a 20 pound northern no this is god who does it 
It's all of him. So we look to his tools, the Spirit's tools. Um, there's this tools for our growth, and there's the fruit of the Spirit. It's all of God from beginning to end. So that's how we've tried to articulate it, that church. You might even, if you can just kind of in a simple way, draw that in your own diagram, word and prayer at the beginning, loving relationships, and then growing more like Christ, um, growing in mercy, growing in a heart to have others know the gospel and having, wanting other churches established like this, locally and globally. We can take that down. Um, I said there's kind of three images I would give you throughout the sermon. That, that first image is the main one, those four links in the chain that I think are pretty important for us to understand. And uh, I, I, want us, I want us to get those into our head. But I, I want to give you a, a second image. And this is the, the image of an advertisement. In the uh, 1810s, roughly, um, Great Britain was going through an agricultural, um, the economy was being turned upside down. It was an agricultural recession. Things were really bad. So, so tenant farmers couldn't get enough crop or couldn't sell enough crop to pay their rent. And they were in bad shape, which meant all the people who would live on their land and work the farms were being forced out of the cottages into poorhouses. It's estimated that at least one in 10 Britons, Britons, Brits, dumb American, um, Brits were, were in poverty, paupers. You hear stories of that time of, of, of women going to work in the coal mines, pulling the carts through the coal mines for just pennies a day so they could make things work. In the meantime, all of a sudden, Canada was starting to boom. And so there were these companies that had, had, um, had established footings in Canada and they wanted people to come work. So, so they would commission people to go and tell other people about how great Canada was. They said things like, independence and comfort are on the other side of the water and even wealth after a few years toil. One, uh, one particular advertisement described Toronto, which was then called York, as equal to any provincial town in Britain. And so, what do you think people did? People who were weary and worn down saw the hope of a new world and said, sign me up, I'm coming. Now, those advertisements oversold what Canada could provide. But this is the connection I want us to see. Our world today is every bit as weary and broken and fractured and worn down as, I'm speaking loosely metaphorically, but, but as the world was in Britain at that time. And people need to hear of a new and better world today as much as ever. It doesn't take much to see it. You read the news, whether it's local, national, global, and there are these tecton tectonic social shifts 
taking place. The, the ground is moving beneath us, and it's hard to understand. Nobody can really get their minds around exactly what's happening, but everything seems unsteady. People are wondering, what can I grab onto? What is sure? And all the things that they thought were sure are, are shifting and moving, and it, it's, un, it's unsettling. You're seeing an unsettled world. It's off its mooring. And you, you look at it and your heart breaks. And you say, well, I want to be part of the solution. I see the fracturing. I see the fraying. I want to be part of the solution. But what can I do? Post this on social media. That'll solve it. No, it's not doing anything. What can I do? I can feel helpless, hopeless. I'm just one small voice. One little person in, in these great cogs that are moving in ways nobody understands. Well, the Lamborghini designer has told us what we can do. He's called us to be the emissaries of this new and better kingdom that Jesus is establishing. We are the only advertisement that the world will see that there is something better. And while Canada was oversold, we cannot possibly, in our fallen state, oversell what Christ has called us to or what Christ is creating in his new kingdom. But that is what he's given us to. And there's Christians scattered all around the globe who have the same Holy Spirit in us, in them, that's in us, in them, who have the same scriptures guiding them. And so as part of this huge global moment, movement, he has called us, this little local church on a corner in Georgetown, to be people who reflect what Jesus is like to those around us. And that, he says, is like, it's like being a light in the darkness. It's like being salt to the earth. It's, it's something we've been called to do. In, we'll see in 1 Timothy, we're called to be a pillar and buttress of truth. Let's put that, just put that diagram up one more time on the board. Think about it. Look at that top arrow. The world is hungry for people like that who are just gentle. Soft answer turns away wrath. Who are quick to forgive. Who aren't bitter and angry, but are tender and gentle like our Savior. They're hungry for that. Your neighbor, the person who lives in your building, your cranky coworker, that server at the restaurant that doesn't do a great job. There's plenty that do a great job, I'm just saying. Those are the ones I tend to complain about. Not the ones that do a good job. The ones that do a bad, and I'm correcting myself, saying I need to be a blessing to that person. Right? Or how about helping people are hurting? People have been wounded. We've had horrible things to them, done to them. We've been kind of under the oppressive wheel of a hard family or a hard cultural situation or whatever it is. Terrible experiences. They... they they just want somebody to know and care and listen and be there for them, to walk that mile with them. I think especially that third arrow, right? 
cut off from a relationship with a father, not knowing the life he provides, full of the shame that comes from sin, or, or the sister to shame, which is like, I'll just try and insist on my own righteousness because I know deep down I'm not righteous. Like, put, a, put more white paint on. Try and make it look good. No. They need the good news of what Jesus has done, dealing with their sins so they can walk in the light. Yes, I am a sinner, but I'm a forgiven sinner who God is making new. This is what our world needs. And God has called you and me to together be this kind of people. So that's the second image in advertisement of a new and better world that this broken world gets to see. The last image I want to give you is of a father and son, a father and an adult son, uh, one with a healthy relationship. You can kind of think of this image under the, under the tagline, right? The apple don't fall far from the tree. This is a son who, as he becomes an adult, you know, he resembles his dad. Maybe he has a similar gait. They have the same way of handling problems. Maybe even the way he speaks is a little bit like his dad, his old man. His work ethic might be similar. His, his tender heart might be similar. He looks like his dad. And, and it's not because he got out a textbook on his dad and read all the facts about his dad and said, okay, um, this is how I will be like my dad. It's just because he was around him all the time and he knew him well and he was shaped by him. You might know where I'm going with this. We hear this great four links in the chain, beautiful four arrows diagram, an advertisement for the new kingdom of Jesus. That's what we're called to be. It's like, yes, now how do I do that? How do I start prayerfully and lovingly speaking the truth? How do I start building relationships with people so that we can do this together? Give me some questions I can ask. Well, some questions you can ask. Tell me how you came to know Jesus. Read any good books recently? What's some God's teaching you? What stood out to you about today's sermon? How did God work in you? Those are some questions you can ask, but that's actually not the point. When it's calling us to speak the truth to one another, it's not just talking about rattling off theological truths to one another. It's actually not even just saying an apropos theological truth that fits the moment and being able to rattle that off. This is, Christianity isn't about just knowing some truths. It's actually about truths that allow us to know the Father. To really know Him. His Word starts to become our mind. Because as we walk through horrible things, heavy things, gut-wrenching things, we've said, Father, Show me. I, I, I don't get it. I don't know how to walk. Be a light to my path. And we look, and his word is a light to our path. And we go, okay, that's what you're like. This is how you're with me. This is how you're guiding me. We come to know his character and what he's like. And every corner of our lives, we're not saying, hey, here's an area of know, know Jesus over there. 
just all this is fine. But no, we want him in every corner of our life because we see the blessing he brings. And more and more, he's shaping us, transforming us by his word so that we have a renewed mind and we know the Father. So that when we talk, we talk like him. It's not like, okay, turn on the talk theological switch. Now I'm going to talk that way. It's who we are. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. So how do we get after this? I really can only offer you one formula. It's not even a formula. But it's just get to know your father. Know him. Which isn't something you can microwave. It means, I don't know what you're going through right now, but, but whatever it is, it could be a high or it could be a real low or it could be somewhere in between. Talk to him about it. Look to his words, see what he has to say about it. Hear what he's saying to you. Understand him. Know him. His spirit, is, it's not just kind of this abstract academic knowledge. When you, when you read his word, it's the sword of the spirit. His Holy Spirit that indwells you is going to say, this is who I am, God, James. I'm here for you. I'm reminding you of this. It's a relationship, but it's one that's mediated through his word as we talk to him and he talks to us. Right? So just get to know your father. Press in to know him better. But do it in community. Don't do it by yourself. I'm going through something hard. I tell a few people about it. I ask them to pray with me. I ask them to grow with me through that. And you know what? They pray with me. We look at the scriptures together and they get residual growth from the growth God wants to do in me. And our hearts get bonded together more. You see how this works? We do it in community. Now, we've, de- we've developed three pathways to try and help support this with our growth groups. You can sign up for those in the back with our uh, one-to-one Bible reading, core prayer groups. You can read about those or ask Lorna, our, our deacon of discipleship at the back table. But those are just means to an end. They're not a formula that works. In fact, you could go to a growth group or do a core prayer group and then just tune out and never connect with those people again. The point is not just check it off your list and now I'm doing the right thing. The point is in community, getting to know our Father better. And when we do that, we are going to be speaking the truth to one another and to the world out there who doesn't know the good news of Jesus. So if if you're thinking, how do I apply these passages? Think of that father-son. The apple doesn't fall from the tree, fall far from the tree. And just get to know your father better through every circumstance, whatever you're going through. Get to know him. Be in his word. Gather with people on Sunday morning and think about what he's saying and talk about it together and pray about it together. Be quick to pray with him. If somebody shares something heavy going on in your heart, you go, I know my father. I want my father to know about this. I want you to know my father's grace. Let's pray right now about it. Right? Maybe even people who aren't Christians in your workplace or in your neighborhood. Would you be all right if I prayed with you about that? They might say no. That's okay. But they might say yes. I'm giving you little ideas, but the idea, the big concept, of course, get to know your father so that you're shaped more and more to be like him through his word. Now, part of the reason we've preached this sermon, or I chose this passage and this, this idea is just at the start of every year, we, we renew our membership covenant or we affirm that again. 
And I thought it was, you know, an appropriate passage. But, but actually, I, I feel like, I feel like the devil is um, on the prowl. I guess he always is. So it's not just a feeling, but I sense it. And he wants to distract us and to pull us apart. With so many different things spinning in my own mind, in my own heart, let alone the rest of the church or just people today with COVID, the, all the upheaval in the world, even upheaval in our church at times. It's easy to just get sidetracked on so much else, isn't it? Get pulled away from what really matters. But I just thought, what, what do we need? We need to hear from Jesus what he has called us to be. Allow him to remind us and invite me and my own heart and my own struggles and you and every single one of us to come together and be what Jesus has called us to be in part in solidarity with the global community of Christians who are doing this in Afghanistan or Iraq or Nigeria or Mexico or Haiti or New York, wherever. And try to be what God has called us to be as we seek to reflect Jesus. Only God can change our hearts. So we give ourselves to word and to prayer in the context of loving relationships so that we're growing to be more like Jesus, so that we're more merciful and tender to those who are hurting, so that we're more passionate about helping other people know Jesus and seeing other churches established like this. This is who he's called us to be. Let us unite and be this advertisement to the world that it so needs today, perhaps at least as much, maybe even more than ever. So I invite you, I invite you to join in, to come in, and let us be what the head of the church has designed us to be. You can uncrumple the paper, draw the four arrows, or just write every member disciple maker, Ephesians 4, 11 to 16, reflecting Jesus, however you want to capture this. But let's give ourselves to this. Will you join me in prayer? Father, work by your Spirit to call all of us together to be the church you've designed us to be. It's your work. So we're just right now all praying together. Do it. Make us who you've designed us to be. In Jesus' name. Amen.